Hello, and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and this episode, you saw it in the description. Unbelievably, the amazing Lauren Shippen talked with me for a little over an hour about Captain America, and I am so excited. This is the first episode in a series of Marvel-themed wine pairing episodes, and I am so, 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 so stoked. So I realized that actually I am going to be traveling for the next few weeks, and so I'm recording this intro before even editing the podcast. But I think that it's going to be awesome and stand for itself because Lauren is just amazing. I can't believe that she was on the show. If you don't know who she is by some chance, she is the writer, creator, and one of the lead actors in The Bright Sessions, as well as just amazing woman, podcaster, force of nature. Check her out at Lauren Shippen on Twitter. She's amazing. And I think if if you don't know who she is by listening to this episode, you'll see how smart and amazing she is. So thank you, Lauren, for talking with me. As I said, I didn't really prepare anything for this intro, and um, at the time that I'm recording this, I don't have any new patrons to thank, but I always have our advanced, aka producer-level patron, Mara Zobris, to thank. Mara, you are the bright winter soldier that we want to fight for. Uh, That was coming up with that on the fly and it was not very good but Mara we love you and as well as all of our other patrons and also all of you who have left us a review on Apple Podcasts aka iTunes that is the best way and the easiest way to to help us grow and and put us up in those mysterious podcast charts Uh uh-oh speaking of uh speaking of marble things our new cat Loki wants to come into the recording studio Queen doesn't really like it She's not really a big fan of Loki yet. I'll keep you posted anyway. Um, so if you can, uh, if you can leave us a rating and review, um, we'd really appreciate that. I'll send you pictures of my cats. And other than that, I don't have much else to say. I think, I think that we should just get right into it. Without further ado, here is episode seventeen, Captain America, with Lauren Shippen. <laughs> so excited because I have the amazing, the one and only Lauren Shippen here. Hi, Lauren. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Um, And we are going to talk about one of our favorite characters in pop culture right now, Captain America. The man himself. (laughs) The man himself. So I am planning on doing a whole little Marvel series of uh, talking about different Avengers and characters from Marvel and nice. focusing on one character per episode. And this is the first one we're doing, and I think it's perfect to be kicking it off with Lauren and Cap. Hell yeah. Yeah. So just to start off, um, why don't you... I know, I because I follow you on social media, I know that, <laughs> that uh, Cap is one of your f- favorite characters, maybe mm-hmm. favorite Avenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, you know, wondering what your what your initial thoughts and impressions are about him yeah oh man I just have so many feelings about him um so I should say that my introduction to him uh and to sort of I I would say the Marvel universe at large was through the Marvel Cinematic Universe the MCU as it's known me too yeah um yeah I think that that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of people are familiar with and you know that's the the MCU is the series of movies that started in 2008 with Iron Man and then mm-hmm. um, will be sort of concluding its, I think, first major – like, they've, there have been a couple of phases, but it, they're coming to an end next year. Yeah. yeah. I think we're in the third phase, but yes, yeah. the third phase is coming to an end next year, and that's going to kind of put a, a a button and a bow on, exactly as far as we know yes yeah um, <laughs> and i have my suspicions about what they're going to do to captain america yeah which we can get to maybe i know i know i know maybe it's good <laughs> that we're recording this now and not next year exactly because <laughs> it would just be tears yep just me crying into the microphone <laughs> yeah. yep <laughs> um but yeah i i really i've i've seen i think 17 of the 19 marvel films i'm a big fan of, of all of them mm-hmm. um 
And I, I enjoyed Captain America, the first Avenger. I didn't see it in theaters and it didn't necessarily uh-huh. make a huge impression. Sure. But then I saw Captain America, the Winter Soldier in 2014 when that came out, um, which is, in my opinion, the greatest superhero film ever made. Um, I think it's definitely up there. Yeah. If not, if not the best. It is. It is just it's it's a, it's a perfect film. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it really, I think showcased the things that I love about Captain America, which are the fact that he's this man out of out of time who has these mm-hmm. really like strong ideals and and strong perspectives on things, um, but doesn't necessarily have the capacity to connect with people around him because, you know, he woke up after 70 years in ice and all of a sudden is living in a world that he doesn't recognize anymore. Right. Yes. And I that leads me to what I was thinking about, you know, what wine would I pair with Captain America? Mm. And for some reason, the wine that felt right is rosé. And luckily, when I talked to you earlier, you were like, sweet. Yes. I've been drinking rosé all summer. <laughs> it uh, is my favorite. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's mine too. Um, and because there's something like, at least for me, because it's taken it's taken me like, similarly, like, when I saw the first Avenger, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, it was fun, Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I wasn't, like, blown away by it, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until Winter Soldier that I really, like, got why Captain America is such an interesting character. Yeah. Beyond just the, like, superficial, you know, he was a small, tiny man with a big heart. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who then became a big, strong, attractive man with a big heart. Um... So um, so the reason why I thought of Rosé is because there's something very, like, pure and honest about Cap, and I think there's something really pure and delicious about Rosé, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of complexity going on to it under yeah. the surface. Yeah. So, and that's something we can get into it at, at some point, but... Also, it is a mix of red and white. And, you know, if you added some blue exactly. in there, he's red, he's red and blue. It's <laughs> perfect. Know? It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> it's perfect. That is. And so I am drinking a rosé made by Steve Mathiason. So it's called the Mathiason rosé. I promised I didn't just pick it because of Steve, <laughs> Steve. and Steve. Yep. yep. <laughs> I, it, the thought maybe crossed my mind. But this is a, it's a California rosé. He grows grapes and makes wine in the Northern California, like Napa and Mendocino mm-hmm. area. And cheers. Cheers. Mm. It's so good. And what's really interesting about him, I actually got to attend a lecture that he gave, and oh, cool. he more than more than just a winemaker, he's a viticulturist. So that's basically like he specializes in the science of growing the vines. Oh wow! Yeah. So and there's something like kind of understated about him, mm-hmm. and I believe that this past year he actually won. Yes, he won Winemaker of the Year from the San Francisco Chronicle and Food and Wine magazine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and so he's, but he's got this like really, like he keeps everything kind of under the surface when you talk to him. He's clearly mm-hmm. so smart and so brilliant. And so that kind of reminded me of Cap too, because he kind of keeps everything totally a little bit under the surface. Yeah. So that's my first little uh, stretch wine connection. I love it. But I agree. And I also. This is this is one thing that I think about the MCU that I don't know if you agree with or not, mm-hmm. but the the Avengers are all so with maybe a couple exceptions, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. I think they're all so well constructed and yeah. well well fleshed out and well cast yes. as well. Yeah, um, and I think that Chris Evans does a, an amazing job. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think some of the films do better than others is um, the villains. Yes. Because sometimes the villains are just not interesting at all. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and what is so cool to me about, I mean, the first Avenger is fun because Hugo Weaving is fun as a villain. Yes. Always. Yeah. But, but Winter Soldier, I think, if you think about Bucky Barnes, as the villain who's not really the villain right and that's why he's such a good villain 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I was wondering if you have any thoughts on on that and kind of the villains in the totally. universe. Totally. I mean, one thing that I that I feel about a lot of movies of this ilk, you know, of Marvel movies or James Bond movies or you know any kind of franchise where there's a hero and there's action and there's a villain, I always find myself kind of. And actually, even like Pixar films to an extent do this as well. Yeah. Um, and Disney films, where anytime there's a sort of villain scene, mm-hmm. I, I find my mind like wandering a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I would say probably most most movies of this of this type, my mind tends to wander when they cut to the villain. And I think uh-huh. the, the the movies that I really think are successful in the Marvel universe are the ones in which we don't see the villain all that much or the villain is very compelling so I would say probably like my three favorite Marvel films are Winter Soldier uh Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther I think I would agree I think they're the strongest individual films I agree yeah and I think it's because Thor Ragnarok you don't you don't spend any time with the villain, really. There isn't yes. a villain, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's Kate Blanchett, but she's yeah. just she's just fun. Yeah, and, she's uh, she's amazing. And and also but also like she's not the point of the movie. Right. And and the time you spend with her, she's like just kind of massacring people for a minute tops and then you switch back to Thor. Yeah. And so, you know, you're not spending too much time with her. And also, I mean, like I would watch Kate Blanchett in like a tight leather suit do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, sign me up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, and then with Black Panther, Killmonger is such a compelling villain that you want to spend is. time with him. And I think it's the same with Winter Soldier. And I think that it's like, I find myself, so I was watching Winter Soldier again the other night because it's just, it's just like me a too. comfort movie for me almost <laughs> at this point. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. I just know every second of it backwards and forwards. And like, <laughs> for us, it's Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, We've- nice. We've seen that so many yeah, times. That's a really fun one. I like. Yeah, that it's it's super fun. It, yeah. I don't think it's quite as strong, and maybe doesn't have the depth that certain other Marvel yeah. movies have, um, or maybe nuance. But it's just so fun, and we, mm-hmm. I, I just, it is like comfort TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I, what was striking me about this particular watch of of Winter Soldier is that the villain, sort of quote unquote villain scenes, are either once you already by the time you're spending time with the winter soldier in kind of individual scenes that are focused around him you know who yeah. he is yeah and then before that all the villain scenes are not as you're watching it you don't know that they're villain scenes yet like it's it's Nick Fury right. and Alexander Pierce talking and you think that they're just having this debate about the government but mm-hmm. really Pierce is the villain and so there is this like amazing kind of double blind or something that occurs where you're watching a lot of sort of villain cutaways, but you you're you think it's just part of the story. And then when you eventually figure out who the Winter Soldier is, then the those villain scenes are actually really compelling when they're actually framed as such. Right. And I don't I can't think of any other movie of that type that's done something like that. Yeah, I can't think I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm I'm biased because I'm particularly interested in villains. I wrote my thesis in college on Shakespearean villains. Ooh. And so that that is often where my my attention is drawn. Yeah. And I think that's part of why I love the the MCU so much is that that is often not where my attention is drawn mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and because it's rare for me that I'm more interested in the hero than the villain yeah that's and, interesting which which is just something for me personally yeah. um and what what I'm what I'm interested in but I think that with the only exceptions in the MCU well I guess my favorite villains I do think that Thanos, or at least Josh Brolin's mm-hmm. portrayal of Thanos, is really compelling in Agreed. Uh, in Infinity War. And I think that the most kind of believable villain, because this is this is another one that I love, is um I forget the character's name, but he plays Vulture in Spider Man oh, Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and played by Michael Keaton. Yeah. And and I think that he is an interesting villain because he's a very believable character. Totally. And so... Well, and I think with all of those, I th- I, yeah, with like Thanos and Vulture and 
maybe Pierce and Winter Soldier less so, but there's like there's yeah. stuff that's that's couched in what they're talking about that's interesting. And and Killmonger, I think with all those those villains. Oh, and Killmonger, yes, duh. Yeah, and with all those villains, they talk, and I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like what you're saying isn't totally crazy. Like the way you're going about it is bad because you're murdering people. Yeah. But I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I think that's the most compelling villains are the ones who are the protagonists of their own stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think I think this is where, you know, in Avengers, I think Avengers is a great film, the first the first Avengers. Yeah, I, I agree. But Loki doesn't always work for me as a villain because mm-hmm. he's very I mean, Tom Hiddleston is very compelling as Loki and he's very charismatic. But in that in that one, it's sort of like so you're conquering Earth because you're Board? Like, what's the motivation here? It's very, it's very one dimensional mm-hmm. or two, two dimensional. Yeah, let's give it, let's give them another yeah, it's, dimension. There are two dimensions. It's, it's, there's two dimensions, <laughs> maybe not three. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yes, I, I 100% agree. And then once Loki is no longer the villain, I find him so much more compelling. Yes, and fun. Completely um, agreed. Yeah, I, I. I love Thor Ragnarok, and every oh, time, so good. the first time I saw it, I was like, eh, I feel like they're just trying to make it kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but then yeah. every time I watched it again, I was like, no, this is totally its own thing. It is so weird it's and so fun, weird. and it's got such a cool vibe. I was talking I was talking to somebody the other day who really didn't like it, and I was just like, I just can't agree with you I'm i don't sorry. understand that at all i don't i don't some people it, i think it just it's too much of a tonal departure from sure. some of the other films just yeah. because it is so kind of zany and wonky yeah. and taika waititi is hilarious so he's the best, um, he's the best. Oh i God. i feel very vindicated because i was i'm like the one person that i know who really loves the first thor movie like and i love i haven't seen it in so long but i remember really loving it yeah it's I think it's great well actually that doesn't surprise me because you love Shakespeare and it was directed by Kenneth Branagh (laughs) yes yes (laughs) and it's sort of this like high-minded Shakespearean like it's an attempt at a high-minded Shakespearean story but I think that like so much of the character of Thor that people love in Ragnarok actually like there are seeds of him in the first Thor um and like as much as I love Cap and will defend Cap to the end of days and he is my boy uh, objectively, Thor is the best Avenger. Well, yeah, like, I mean, just it's sort of on a unfair. Pure objective basis, Thor is it's the best. It's sort of unfair. He's a god. He's a god, and he's smart, and he's got a good heart, but he's not petty. And I think that, like, that's what separates him from all of the other Avengers is that he's not petty. <laughs> yes, I think you're. I think you're right because I think that both Cap and Iron Man are, are petty assholes. Super petty. Oh, can I swear super on this? Petty. I can. Right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, absolutely. Great. <laughs> yeah. Explicit. Great. Yeah. And that's like what Civil War is about is how petty they are to yes, each other. It it is. And and don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. But I do too. That's one of my favorite things about Cap is how petty he is. Yes. Yeah. And I so we also rewatched Avengers Two, Age of Ultron the other night, mm. which is, you know, kinda everyone's least favorite. Yeah film is in re-watching it i was like this is not quite as bad as i remembered but the the like running joke of like cap saying language throughout Ugh. the whole movie i was like okay guys i think we get it he's wholesome he's like but also like no he's not yeah yeah <laughs> like, i reject that out of hand like i just i love like, it literally we are introduced to captain america to steve rogers i should say as somebody mm-hmm. who's 90 pounds and beating people up for presumably no reason or a reason, yeah. but probably not yeah. a good enough reason to fight somebody three times your size. And he's like sassy and petty and stubborn and yes. very much like a righteous, single-minded person. Mm-hmm. Um, and to think that he wouldn't approve of swearing is maybe the most insane thing. He fought in a world war. Like that boy yes. has heard swears that you couldn't even dream of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where that's where the the film fell victim to just like the stereotype mm-hmm. of Captain America, yeah. which is originally why I wasn't so interested in in Cap and mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't until I started dating Winston and Cap is Winston's favorite Avenger, like okay. hands down, except yeah. for maybe Spider Man. But 
But who doesn't love Spider-Man? Yeah, I mean, he's great. He's, he's, he's the best. He's, he's so the cute. Best. He's so cute. <laughs> but yeah, but then I started like, actually, and, and I guess once Winter Soldier came out, that was when I was really like, oh, yeah. this, this is a way more compelling character. It's really interesting. I, I, I'd be curious to hear what you think about this, but I also rewatched First Avenger recently, mm-hmm. and it struck me how similar it felt kind of again like tonally to Wonder Woman which came out yes. last year. Yeah. I know like it's World War 2 versus World War 1 but there's like this kind of fish out of water mm-hmm. historical war kind of vibe to it. Well and also both end with a Steve piloting a plane to his death. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> Like, what is it with true 1950s Steve sacrificing themselves via plane suicide? Steve, why? We got to put out a watch on Steve Mathiason right now. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do it, Steve. Don't do it, Steve. You have wines to make. Yes. Hilarious. Oh, my God. Um, So that brings me back just real quick. So um, you mentioned how Rosé is, like, you know, uh, between red and white. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to to clarify, because I don't think this is something that I've talked about on the podcast yet, of how rosé is actually made. Ooh, yeah. Because I think some people think that it is it is just made by blending red and white wine. Yeah. And that is, that is if it's made that way, it's not, that's not how it should be. <laughs> um, there's a couple of different different ways of making rosé and the most common one is called the macerated method or the maceration method which is so the way someone described it to me is rosé is red grapes being made like white wine so basically the macerated method is when the usually usually rosé is made from red grapes Mm -hmm. and or red wine grapes and what happens is they kind of sit on their skins after they've been crushed, but for just a, a short amount of time. So not as long as a red wine would sit on its skins, which is what gives it its pigment, usually. Oh. Yeah. So that's, that's so, so interesting. That's the, yeah. So that's the first and most common way. Uh-huh. There's also another method called the Sanye method, which means um, to bleed, I think, or to be bled or something. In um, and, and that is when actually when, when a winemaker is making red wine and they just kind of bleed a little bit of the juice off and let the rest of the red wine ferment. Oh. Oh, on okay. its skin. So those are the two main different ways that rosés are made. And usually the first method, the maceration method, is uh, probably how most rosé is made. And it gives you kind of a lighter color. Um, depending on how long you leave it on the skins, it can be right. kind of almost closer to a white wine. And usually the saigné method yields a little bit like of a darker pigment rosé that's okay. a little bit kind of juicier. But yeah, so those wow. are the two. Yeah. So... I don't have a way to relate that to Captain America. No, I'm trying to think of like some sort of super soldier serum thing. <laughs> there is there's something for some reason like with between Steve Mathiason and like the sort of like the science behind wine, I feel like, you know, even the the science behind making Captain America is eh, faulty. Yeah, or, to say the maybe, least. I I don't understand it, but <laughs> <laughs> but there is like at least they make the effort to say like there is science behind this. Yes. It's not just magic superpowers. So Right. Yeah, they they are building a, a person. Absolutely. So um I'll 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 dwell on that. Yeah. That's so I'll interesting. Master, I'll macerate. macerate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that such a good word? It is a great word. Yeah, that's also something that's like this is a little uh, little wine tip. If you're ever like at a tasting room or something, and you're tasting mm-hmm. wine, and you want to sound super smart, you'd be like, oh, "What's the what's the maceration time on this?" And <laughs> oh, okay, I'm gonna pull yeah, that out. Yeah, all right. That's, that's your that's your wine terminology of the day. Perfect. I know nothing about wine, so now I know a lot more. There you go. Which is great. This is that's the point of this podcast to learn a little bit about wine. Yes. While talking about. Pop culture. Superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> That's my ideal way to spend an evening, I would say. What could be bad? Yeah. Um, that is why That is why I started this podcast. I was like, I just want to talk about all my favorite things. And 
Yeah, then I think that's made it. Made I think it that's a very noble pursuit. Thank you. So, what is your favorite thing about Captain America? My favorite thing about Captain America is that I ooh, I gotta think about it a little bit. I I think that, like I said earlier, I think he's got depths and layers and is surprising in ways mm-hmm. that I didn't think he was initially. Yeah. And I think you're right. And I, I kind of hadn't thought about it this way that like even before he became Captain America, he was like kind of breaking rules and getting in oh, trouble yeah. and and doing it all for a noble cause. But I think there's there's like a, a deep seated insecurity in him. Mm hmm. And I think that he actually, I mean, I think that in many ways he's kind of like the anti-toxic masculinity example. Yeah. Um, in some ways, because I think that he shows potential to be to to like go down a sort of dark, resentful path mm-hmm. um, of insecurity and just resentment. And instead he doesn't and kind of comes comes out the stronger for it and yeah. and I'd have to think about that a little bit more but I think that he is kind of like the reason why he and Tony Stark are such good foils for one another mm-hmm. often is that I think that Tony often falls into that other camp of like kind of giving in to like being an asshole and yeah at least at least on the surface and you know when push comes to shove he tends to make the right choice and yeah do the right thing but not always and I guess what I what I really like about Captain America's Civil War, even though there's a lot that I don't love about the movie, yeah. is that it does deal with this kind of moral gray area within the Avengers themselves. Yeah. And I like that it doesn't show any of them as perfect. Yeah. And that, that's what I think is so interesting about both where I think like Winter Soldier and Civil War to me, because I agree with you, like Civil War has things that I don't love about it, um, mm-hmm. but I think it has a lot of things that work. I think its biggest problem is that it's two movies <laughs> that they're trying to make. Yeah, that's that's a that's They're a good trying one. to have this Civil War argument, which is, I've now read those comics and it's a very interesting, compelling argument where I think both sides have compelling points. And for the movie, they can, they like kind of combined it with, Bucky Barnes and and Steve mm-hmm. protecting Bucky and and what he did to Tony's parents, and those are two very separate issues. <laughs> yes, and yes, yeah, conflating them felt odd. Um, it feels odd, and it also feels like it kind of diminishes the greater struggle between the two sides. Yeah, if you know, it, again, bringing it back to being petty. Yes, because, exactly. Because because the the kind of like fundamental struggle between like what do we do. How do we be responsible about having these quote unquote superpowers? Mm-hmm. That is a very interesting discussion. Yeah. But yes, bringing Bucky Barnes and Tony's parents' death into it just makes it feel like a little less interesting. In, yeah, because in it, some ways it, it makes it makes Cap, I think, look like, uh, listen, I love Steve and Bucky. I think that that's mm-hmm. like a very compelling relationship. Every Captain America movie is based around Steve's love for Bucky and what he's willing to sacrifice, whether it's platonic or whatever you want to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is what those movies are about. Yes. Um, And as much as I, I, you know, love Steve throwing down the shield to pick up Bucky and walk away from Tony, very powerful – in the comics, like Steve is right when it comes to the Civil War debate. Like he because the whole thing is that they're trying to register mutants. Yeah. Basically. And that's a dangerous path to walk down. Absolutely. Um, and it's like while, you know, Tony has some good points, both in the movie and in the comics, of, well, these people are different and, and you know, we can't be we can't be responsible for like every supervillain in the world. There needs to be some sort of government body that deals with this. Yeah, registering a super a, a certain group of people is like a very dangerous precedent to set, and yeah. so it's a very like complex moral argument. That in the movie, it just seems like Steve is saying no because he wants to protect Bucky or that he's saying no because it, it, it's just it's the the whole issue is kind of confused. But that being said. I, I think what's most compelling about those films um, is that the enemy is sort of yourself. Um, you know, it, Captain America is a symbol of 
America. And mm-hmm. in Winter Soldier, it's the government, the American government that's the enemy. And then in Civil War, it's his teammates. And also, again, the American government that's the enemy. Y- yes. And that's so interesting for somebody who represents and embodies the, that country. That is. That is really, really interesting. And and that and that to me is what is interesting about the movie. And I think you're right that mm-hmm. the kind of fluff they put in there kind of undermines it. And and also again, speaking of very weak villains, uh, what's his name? The guy, Zemo. Who's in, yeah, who's in Inglorious Bastards. Um, yeah, he like I I like in some ways I think like yes, they kind of made two movies, and then they're also trying to establish Black Panther at the same yep. time <laughs> and um, spider-man and spider-man yeah i so, mean i have the utmost respect for the russo brothers because i think that they were handed down a list of things they need to accomplish before infinity war right and they had to do it in one movie and they did i think the best that they possibly that could is have done. true that is very very <laughs> true but there but there's like a lot going on and it and it kind of overshadows the the real core of yeah. of the movie this just this just reminds me of talking about moral gray areas of one last style of rosé, which is called vin gris or gray wine. Um, oh. Vin gris, I guess it would be. Sorry, my French is terrible. But <laughs> but what it is, it's basically the same as macerated wine, but it's like really barely sees any skin contact, so it's super light. It's like a super super light rosé. Oh. That's and it's usually made from Pinot Noir. And it's okay. it's a French style, but they've been making them a lot in like California and Oregon a lot recently. So okay. that's just that's just another interesting little, and that's something that I. It, it's one of those things that for a really long time I was scared to ask what Von Gris was <laughs> in the in the wine world because I was yeah. like, I feel like I should know what this is, but I don't know what it is. I'm like gray wine. <laughs> that sounds terrible but what, what does it taste like um exactly. it tastes like it to me it tastes more like a white wine than a rosé okay usually depending some of them some of them are a little bit more like rosé but some of them are super super light so they just look kind of like a dark white wine hmm so it's like if you want a slightly more flavorful and another another word another uh fun wine term is uh phenolic which basically just means bitter um, but oh, it's but okay. it's kind of that feeling that you get from tannin, but when you get tannin in like a white wine, um, it, okay. it kind of leaves like a bitter taste. So phenolic, yeah, phenolic, phenolic, and okay. maceration. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really expanding my vocab here. I know, I know. Vocab- you didn't think you'd be getting a, a vocabulary session. I love it. But yeah. <laughs> Um, I had one more uh, wine kind of concept or historical event thing that did really remind me of Captain America, and it's yeah. maybe a huge stretch. But <laughs> in um, in the 1850s, so obviously Europe has been making wine a lot longer, at least as we know that is recorded. Right, has been making a lot making wine a lot longer than the United States. Um, a lot of places in the southern hemisphere, like South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, they have been making wine for a really long time. But what mm-hmm. what their wine looks like now is very very different from what it used to look like, as far as we right. know. But in like the 1850s, the mid 19th century, this pest started attacking all the vines in in Europe, and it was mm-hmm. it's called phylloxera, and it, at this point, I believe it has it, the only country that has not had a bout of phylloxera is Chile. So, oh, interesting, fun huh. fact. But in order to combat the phylloxera, what they did is they brought over American rootstock for the vines, and they grafted European vines onto American rootstock. Oh. And tell me, tell me if I'm uh, making a huge stretch here, but. I think that uh, phylloxera is a lot like Hydra. Yeah. And and Steve Rogers is the American rootstock that... Um, <laughs> I, I am on board with this. I'm here that with you. The European vines grafted themselves onto to win World War II. <laughs> yep. No, I'm here for that. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> also, phylox... What is it? Phylloxera? Phylloxera. Phylloxera sounds like a Marvel villain. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Let's... 
petition uh, Stanley write one last but <laughs> yeah. Marvel comic <laughs> with the Phylloxera <laughs> as your villain. Phylloxera. Yeah. And Captain America fighting the great Phylloxera. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I think I think that works very well, <laughs> right? I think yeah. I it it just makes sense to me. I I just had a I just had a moment earlier today when I was like thinking about Captain America and somebody was talking about phylloxera at, at work, and I was like, oh my god, that totally makes sense to me. Well, and I feel like Hydra is like an invasive species, totally, you know, because mm-hmm. it just like grows inside of something, and and yeah. you know the whole thing of like cut off one head, another you know two grown mm-hmm. its place. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, totally. that totally fits. Totally. So uh, that's that's at least my last uh, planned, very forced wine connection. But <laughs> <laughs> that does not mean there won't be more. But oh, one thing that I wanted to to share with you because we uh, Winston and I were also rewatching Spider Man Homecoming recently, and so good. Possibly my favorite. Uh, Captain America moments are actually in that movie. Oh my god, I know his, his PSA. Wait, have you seen all the the all the ones they did? No, are there more? Oh yeah, it's like a DVD <gasps> extra. They filmed a bunch of them. Oh my god. Oh my god. They're bad. It's great. I uh, as soon as we're done, I'm probably going to Google. I'll send that. you a link. Okay. Yep. Sounds great. Um, we'll link that in the show notes. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, and what one I didn't notice because you know he starts one with "so you got detention," but then like sort of under the scene as the scene ends, it's like "so your body is changing." Yep, I sure know about that. <laughs> I know that one. I was cackling in the theater when that. Oh happened. my god, I lost it. I also, lost it. Hannibal Burris playing the uh, gym teacher and being like, "I'm pretty oh sure this god. guy's a war criminal now, but I have to show these." Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, he's a fugitive from the state. Like, I love it. I love it so much. I also just, just him being like, breaking rules isn't cool. Like, he didn't try to fraud the army nine right. times. Right. Like, yes. But yeah, it is. It is really interesting to me thinking about it um, in a little bit more depth than I have. Just how much like, quote unquote, Captain America is like this wholesome all American mm-hmm. guy, and. He is, but there's a lot more going on to that. And yeah. he's he makes some questionable choices. Mm-hmm. He always tries to make the right choice. Yeah. But I don't know if he always does. Yeah. It's just it's just I'm I'm thinking about it a lot more because I sort of see the equivalent in the DC universe mm. as like I see like Captain America versus Iron Man as kind of Superman versus Yeah. Batman, Batman. but I don't think that's a fair comparison. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between them, but I think that there's they're so different in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, certainly I think, you know, with Iron Man and Batman, they're both just billionaires who don't actually have actual superpowers. Their superpowers are, in Bruce Wayne's case, his money, and in Iron Man's case, his brilliance. Um, But I I, I do think that, like, Captain America and... Superman are similar, but I think, you know, one of the big hubbubaloos that happened after um, Man of Steel was that Mm -hmm. Superman killed a bunch of people. Right. And they were like, Superman doesn't do that, where there's never been that kind of narrative about Cap. Like, it's always the thing of, you know, he's the shield he tries to protect, but... Right. And he, and, you know, in the war, he had Bucky to sort of be the guy who had to do the sneaky bad things. But there's less of a... There is less of a purity about him, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And what one of the things I think is so interesting about Captain America that is the reason that I don't really like Superman, I don't find him that interesting, is that mm-hmm. Superman is, for all intents and purposes, invincible, and that makes the stakes very different, whereas yeah. Cap is very hard to kill, but he, like constantly has a death wish <laughs> like he's yeah. just always putting himself himself in scenarios where he's gonna die like trying to like picking fights with people when he is 90 pounds and asthmatic and has a million health problems and then trying to join the army when he's like that and then you know nose diving his plane into the arctic letting bucky beat him up in winter soldier and potentially kill him you know 
walking away from Tony Stark. Like, he's constantly putting himself into these sacrificial positions where he knows he could die. Where Superman, there's that threat isn't quite there. Yeah. And it's a different kind mm. of loneliness, I think. I think so too. And and I guess I hadn't I guess I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but I guess Cap does have a lot of darkness to him mm-hmm. in a way, even if yeah. it's not conscious. And you don't and you don't think about that cuz you know, he's like he's got the red, white and blue right. all-American suit, but there's 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 kind of a very deep-seated feeling of being anachronistic i yeah. think yeah and that and that i guess that's something we haven't really talked about yet is just how except for um the first the first avenger he is out of his element literally mm-hmm. he's yeah. he's in a different time and i think that that's something that the movies don't even pay quite enough attention to yeah like what would it be like to wake up 70 years later yeah there's some Age of Ultron deleted scenes that have him, uh-huh. like, in New York, you know, in 20-whatever, mm-hmm. and and just clearly not jiving with the world around him. Right. And I, I think that is one of the things that, like, and I think one of the reasons that the sort of language stuff in Ultron, though a small thing, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, because I think in First Avenger, it's very clear that he has such... I mean, maybe not pure intentions isn't the best way to put it, but he has clear intentions in terms of yeah. joining the army where he, you know, he says, I think the moment that I, I kind of fell in love with Cap as a character was, I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Yes. I I wrote that down. Yeah. When I rewatched it the other day, I was like, that is Captain America. Yeah. That's his whole, that's his whole, that's his whole personality. And I think yeah. you see that, you know, in the next two Cap films because- the bully then becomes his own employer and his government. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in uh, Civil War, it's his friend. And and it yeah. doesn't matter. It's 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 people trying to oppress other people. And it doesn't matter if they were previous allies of Cap's. He's not going to stand for that. Yeah. And I think that's really, really interesting. And I think that there's so much great stuff in in First Avenger. While it doesn't always hold together as a movie, I think that mm-hmm. you see all of these – layers to cap and then when he wakes up the narrative that's been told about him while he's been quote-unquote dead is the like showgirl narrative almost of like we're gonna right. sock adolf in the jaw and like yeah. you know yeah a war bond is the you know a, a bullet in your best guy's gun like that kind of very wholesome american persona yes and I agree. I feel like, you know, the movies don't engage with that enough, but like also how can they? <laughs> because they're dealing yeah. with 90 characters and like. <laughs> yes, that is entirely fair. Yeah. That is entirely fair. But it's, I feel like it's all underneath the surface all the same. Yeah, because in, chronologically it went, um, at least in terms of Cap's movies, mm-hmm. it went uh, first Avenger and then then the Avengers. Yep. And then Winter Soldier. Yeah. And I think that, Joss Whedon did a pretty good job in yeah Avengers is a really good movie yeah for what for what it does for like establishing the world of everybody like coming together and all the character voices are really strong like Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite there's sort of two moments that stick out to me in 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 reference to Cap where Coulson is like really fangirling over him and it's Mm -hmm, clear like mm -hmm. oh you live in a world where people think they know you and you are sort of the ultimate celebrity, right? And that's going to be yeah. really weird for somebody who just considers themselves a soldier. Um, and then also his whole thing with Nick Fury of like, you know, I, I bet you 10 bucks you, you'll see something that you haven't seen before. Yeah. And yeah, he, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And then the, the um, what is it? The, uh, oh, the, it's not a helicarrier, but whatever. It's not a Quinjet either. That big sort of thing that they're on that goes invisible. Yeah. And he hands Fury yeah, yeah. the $10 bill. It just says so much about his character, right? Because he's like, oh, I even though I've woken up in the future, I am still right. so jaded about the world because I fought Nazis and I saw all of my friends die. Right. That you're that I will absolutely bet you money that you're not gonna surprise me. But then he also concedes when he's wrong. And like, you know, yeah. it's I think that just those those two small moments really show like who he is and what his position in the world is. And that's that's some really fine writing. I I agree. I I agree. And I think that he is written really well. Fairly consistently, yeah, and um, and I do think that Chris Evans does a a great job. He does not get enough 
credit for it, I don't think. I don't think he does because I think he he plays him in just such a like straightforward, understated way. Yeah. And while I think a lot of I mean, a lot of the other Avengers get to be a little bit more flashy. Yeah. Like Robert Downey Tony Jr. Stark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Robert Downey Jr. and and Chris Hemsworth. Yes. And yeah. like obviously they get to play it up. And I guess, like, uh, Mark Ruffalo as Hulk is also pretty understated. Yeah. But you have to be understated as Bruce Banner. You do. <laughs> <laughs> or else it's a little, it's a little much. But, but yeah, I, I really, the more, the more I watch the movies, I really, really appreciate Chris Evans's performance. Yeah, me and too. I just, I think he does a really great job and... At first, you know, you like at first glance, it's like, oh, yeah, he's kind of like an all-American pretty boy, kind of like mm-hmm. Captain America is like this wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. guy, and, and I think that they they are equally layered and leveled. And so yes. I think that that's that is really cool. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that even even with like Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo gets to have a couple moments where I think, you know, the, the scene in the Avengers where Natasha goes to recruit Bruce uh-huh. and it's very, very tense. And then also when he says, you know, like I, I put a bullet on my head and the other guy spat it out. Like he has yeah. these kind of big emotional moments. Whereas oftentimes Steve doesn't get the opportunity to talk about himself. It's always about other people, right? It's always either about yeah. his duty to America or about Bucky. And so he doesn't really get like Chris Evans doesn't really get those moments to be like, oh, I'm having, you know, Steve Rogers is having an emotion and I get to express that. He just has these little moments of like, I think, you know, I think one of the greatest scenes in Winter Soldier is the elevator scene. Um, yes. And the moment when Steve realizes what's going on and what's about to happen. Yeah. Is such a fine piece of acting from Chris Evans because it's absolutely like, it's resignation. It's disappointment. It's anger. Mm-hmm. There's so much anger that is just like I, I feel like Steve Rogers as Chris Evans performs him is and this is I think one of the things that I really relate to him on um is that kind of you know duck metaphor right of he's smooth mm-hmm. on the top and then paddling furiously underneath yeah I feel like Steve Rogers is always just so pissed off at everything all the time yeah, and yeah I, again, I love that. <laughs> he's got he's got this like anger and darkness under the surface. Yeah, which what makes him so what makes him so great is that he he doesn't ignore it, but he kind of or maybe he does, but he like what? it doesn't overcome him. You know, it's like a sign of great character to me. Yeah, yeah, that he that he like accepts his feelings and doesn't doesn't really acknowledge them to other people yeah well so much, I, I but think it's you can see it exactly yeah. I, I think it speaks to um you know not to like project a bunch of stuff on like you know the very little background we've gotten on Steve Rogers and the MCU sure but sure I mean if you actually like if you you know put together the timeline and stuff it's like Steve is somebody who grew up who came to of, of age in the depression and who had mm-hmm. a myriad of health problems in a time mm-hmm. when like penicillin didn't exist, right? You know, and yeah. it's like, and still picked fights with people. I mean, that's a person who gets handed a terrible lot in life and just swallows it and deals with it. And I think that's such an interesting, and I think that that carries through, you know, where it's like people are just constantly disappointing him, his government's constantly disappointing him, and he doesn't let all that anger show because you didn't get to complain, you know, you didn't get to complain when you were a sick weakling man in the depression you know who who liked to draw and and whose mother died you know when he was young it's like it's you right. have to just make do and so i think that's a you know perspective that steve takes with him into the 21st century that doesn't always jive with like the people around him and you know that he feels like maybe he has no right to complain because he has so much to be grateful for yeah cuz he's alive you know and he's gets to see the future yeah and he got you know, healed of his sickness and yeah. has super strength and, and a magic shield. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but life is still tough. Life is still it tough. Is. Yeah. I feel bad for Steve. Um, another one of my oh, another one of my favorite lines of his, which I think is in the elevator scene in Winter Soldier, is when the the like head of security guy is like, "It's not personal," and he's like fighting the twenty guys in the elevator, and he's like. 
it kind of feels, feels personal. personal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's so well delivered. And I also love just I mean, just every beat of that movie. But I love when he then, like, you know, he pulls open the ele- elevator do- doors. He realizes he's not getting out this elevator that way. And so yeah. he just jumps out of this glass elevator, like, 30 yeah. stories up and lands yeah. on a shield. And then Sitwell just goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is like the perfect reaction to anything Steve ever does. Which yeah. is like, really, dude? Like you're doing that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I, that's established earlier in the film too when he's on the plane um, going to the ship and he jumps out without a parachute and, you know, the like shield guy like, did, you know, does he have a parachute? No, he doesn't. Of just that constant like almost suicidal behavior. Yeah. You know, of just like constantly looking at something and being like, well, this is going to hurt, and this might kill me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I guess, yeah, I, I always thought of it as kind of this, like, mindless bravery, mm. um, which which I think, you know, obviously he's he's quite brave, yeah. but I, I don't think I really thought about it in this way of, like, oh, he's kind of got a death wish. I think he has and a death wish. I really, like, th- that is my thesis on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that is really quite possible and accurate um that and i hadn't i hadn't really thought about him in that way before but that's why that's why i had you here to talk about to (laughs) To tell you about how steve rogers has depression and needs help yes yes (laughs) (laughs) because i i I think that that's true also (laughs) we we need to we need to save captain america he saved us enough yeah let's save him exactly like it's i yeah i think i think from the very yeah, you know, I, I do think that he's brave and I do think that he he is an honorable person who genuinely wants to who's willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good. But I just perhaps to a dangerous extent though. Well, right. And also it's like I think if you're really if you look at yourself and you say, "Okay, I'm a super soldier that was created by the government. I I'm here to protect and I'm going to do everything in my power to do that." You're you are smart about it. And Steve is a smart mm-hmm. guy. I mean, that was one of the things that like the serum did for him, right? Is it helped right. him like become a better strategist and he's you know one of the World War II's greatest, you know, war strategists. Um Right. And so he's smart enough to know that he is more useful alive and well, and that he mm-hmm. consistently places himself in situations where it feels like well, I've got nothing to lose and so I might as well just do this. Yeah. Like if if he really wanted to bravely defend America until the end of time, he wouldn't have let Bucky nearly kill him. Like, regardless right. of his feelings about Bucky, like, he would have fought back. Yeah. But instead, he just waits for Bucky to kill him. I think that he, yeah, he is a he is someone who is constantly putting others above himself. Yep. And that can be seen as, like, a a strength. But I I do think that he he brings it to such an extreme that it's, like, no, you have to actually like take care of yourself too. Like you deserve to live. <laughs> like self care. We need we need yeah. to get Captain America self care exactly. or something. <laughs> well, because in Infinity War, he goes on and on about like how you know we don't trade lives when they're talking yeah. about killing Vision. He's like, we don't yeah. trade lives, and it's like Steve, you do that with your own life all the time. All the time. <laughs> like he he values life so much and he doesn't he does not value his own at all and I think that's such yeah. an interesting character choice for a superhero. I just yeah, that I is, think it's fascinating. I I agree and you've really enlightened me on this. I'm glad. I've thought about Steve Rogers way too much. <laughs> no, no. I think I think you're I think you're you've thought about him just enough. <laughs> Thank you for enabling me. <laughs> and now we can all think about him even more. Um, so I'm just I'm just trying to think what if anything else wine related I can bring into this. Mm. The only other thing that I was thinking of was, you know, obviously you find Captain America frozen. Yes. And so I was thinking about ice wine, which is a kind of wine that exists. Oh, it's a yeah. dessert wine made in usually cooler climates right and um from very cold grapes and i don't know that much about it so i'm not going to talk too much about it i think i've had ice wine before you probably have yeah. there's actually there's actually a fair amount of a uh, canadian ice wine that makes um, sense yes it's very cold there <laughs> yes and also i think i think it, it is originally german and it is called ice wine which is just 
perfect, fun, fun to say. And, you know, bringing it back to Germany in World War II. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> well, in Froze, we could have been having Froze. Oh, we could have had the, Oh, we should have had Froze. Okay, what is your opinion as a wine expert on Froze? So here's my thing. So this is something that, uh, and I might have repeated this before, but when I was taking my level one uh, Somme test, which is all I've taken, so I'm not a certified sommelier. I'm just, mm-hmm. I call myself a baby sommelier. Um, but one of the master Psalms, who's one of my favorite people in the wine world, uh, he, he said at one point, he's like, listen, guys, at a certain point, you can analyze the joy out of everything. Huh. And I really took that to heart in terms of true. in terms of wine and in terms of everything because you know you come from a theater background too yeah. and I think it's a it's a it's a similar thing in the theater world where like at a certain point you can just kind of like analyze everything till there's like nothing left yep. and it it's it's I think it comes more from academia than mm-hmm. than like theater necessarily but I think with smart engaged like hungry for knowledge people it's easy to forget why why you do something absolutely and so this brings me back to if if you enjoy frosé drink frosé like yeah it's fun and it's delicious and like i am not a snob i'm the first person to say like the first rule of wine is drink what you like yeah and um if it if it is enjoyable to you so that's my so that's my feelings on on frosé. I love that, and I and I think that that maybe you know well the frosé obviously you know cap was frozen, but also it's I true. think that that mentality just applies to the MCU in general because I think that you know as I get older and as you know the world continues to crumble around us, yes. um, <laughs> I just just like what you like and enjoy what you enjoy, and it doesn't have to be. Like out of all of the sort of movies that I've seen over the past, you know, five or six years, um, there are plenty that I've seen that have been, you know, like art, right? And they're like critically acclaimed, sure. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, they mm, are yes. just yeah, they're like yes. indie and and distraught and like and good. But I watched them once, and then I'm like, that was work. And I'm glad that I saw it because the performances were amazing. The writing was educational. This was good. I never want to watch that movie or think about it ever again. Yep. And it's like, to me, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, a movie that I've seen on a low estimate 55 times. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Love it. You know, that's a movie where I'm like, oh, I learned something about how to craft film and how to write characters and how to think about action and music and all of these things, even though like a lot of like snobby people who I know would would sort of turn their nose up at this and say like oh yeah. well it's a superhero film it's it's like no but it's a superhero film that has more to say about the state of the American government than like most artsy films that have been made in the past 10 years <laughs> absolutely and first of all I agree with you 100 percent the the older like when I was a little kid I was very like I was raised by classical musicians yeah. so I think I was I was raised with like a sense of elitism yeah. that I wasn't even aware of, like artistic elitism. I was the worst music snob in high school and college. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I, I was just like generally a, a snob, even though like I'm I'm not any good at music. I would still be like <laughs> judgmental about other people playing music. Yeah, and um, and I think that that and that's like that's there's a there's a very similar thing in the wine world of like. It's a it's a status thing and it's an elitism mm. thing. You know, people come in asking for your, you know, most expensive bottle of Burgundy or Bordeaux. And it's yeah, sure, those wines are great. But do you really want to spend twenty thousand dollars on a bottle of wine? If you have that much money, then I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Rewind. Yep. There's a bottle of wine that costs twenty thousand dollars. Yep. yep. There, there are several. Um, the one that I'm thinking of, so there's there's an estate in Burgundy uh, called Domaine Romanet Conti, or as we call it, DRC. And those are between $10,000 and $25,000 a bottle usually. That's... Isn't that... Insane. Isn't that insane? <laughs> That's and genuinely insane. <laughs> that is genuinely insane. And I am like, I, you know, I'm, I'm at a point in my quote unquote wine career where like, I like to drink good wine. Sure. And I like to enjoy it. But 
you can find good wine for $10 a bottle. Yes. <laughs> and was... you can spend your $25,000 on something better. <laughs> exactly. Like pay your kids college tuition for a yeah. year, you know? Like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's also the the people buying these wines are kind of on another level, yeah. I think. But but th- that is something that I do think of in terms of in terms of like you know like wine and art and just convolutedly bringing it back to yeah enjoy what you enjoy like yeah. what brings you joy and to me like the MCU is one of the things that has consistently given me joy yeah over the past 5 to 10 years yeah agreed and i think increasingly i don't believe that there is objectively good or bad art I don't think that good or bad art exists. I think that there's art that you like and art that you don't like. And I think there's art that can do harm and art that can do good. But if it brings you joy, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the end of that conversation. It's not like yeah. I I don't think that, you know, um, uh, what's a what's like a famous like I don't I don't think that like Citizen Kane is objectively better than Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Like I enjoy Winter Soldier. A lot more. I certainly enjoy Winter yep. Soldier more yeah. than Citizen Kane. Yeah. And it's like, and I don't believe that, you know, The Great Gatsby is objectively better than, you know, Harry Potter, right? It's not. Like, and I would say that, like, Harry Potter probably actually is more important because it's had a larger influence in, in the modern day. And, and it's just like, I think that people who try to say that there is objectively good art or even objectively good, you know, wines. I don't know anything about wine, as I said. Yeah. But, like, people's taste buds are different. <laughs> Yeah. You know? 100%. And not only that, but literally your taste buds change over time. Mm -hmm. So something that you thought was great 10 years ago might not taste good to you anymore. Oh, yeah. My relationship to ketchup and mustard has been exactly inverse. The more I like mustard, the less I like ketchup over years. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And and, and it's similar with wine too yeah and and i think it's similar with like life and art and how you consume things in in general yeah and just like what you like and have a good time (laughs) that's my thesis (laughs) can i make that the the pairing podcast slogan absolutely you like what you like and have a good time all yours (laughs) thank you trademark lauren shippen Um, (laughs) but Lauren, thank you so much for um, taking this time to talk with me about Captain America. This has been so much fun. This has been so much fun. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And it's made me really excited to like rewatch all these movies and think more about yes. them. We should and do a post Avengers 4 podcast. We should. Oh, yes. When Cap inevitably dies. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a wreck. <laughs> uh, before, we, before we sign off, Lauren... Obviously, I guess I didn't state this up front because because I just figured everybody who's listening to this knows. But um, <laughs> obviously, you are the creator and writer of The Bright Sessions, yes. um, which recently had its finale. But there's yeah. um, other things coming up. So is there anything that in particular that you would like to plug? Yeah. I mean, as we're recording this, uh, it's July 16th, and we released our first bonus episode today which was uh, written by my lead actress, Julia Morizawa, who is incredibly talented. And it was guest starring Jessica Nicole from Welcome to Night Vale and Alice Isn't Dead. It's an incredible episode. I'm so proud of, of what Julia did with the script and, and, and her and Jessica's performances. And so we've got those coming out once a month from now until next March. And then next April, we're coming out with a spinoff that um, actually deals with like a lot of the same questions that come up in kind of the civil war argument of mm. what do you do with people who are something more than human yeah um and yeah it's a it's a it's a question that's hard and and well that's actually just impossible to answer i think cuz it's you know yeah. extra reality it doesn't actually it's not a question we ever have to answer in real life um right but yeah so that'll be coming out next april so just you know follow at bright podcast and you'll you'll stay up to date with all that stuff Awesome. And yeah, and that's something I, I didn't think about or make a connection to so much while we were talking, but um, the Bright Sessions and the Marvel Universe and a few other sci-fi universes, I guess, all deal with this like struggle between the quote-unquote unusual mm-hmm. and the institutions that arise to kind of harness yeah. how they are strange and unusual yeah and so that is very uh very apropos (laughs) 
It all ties together. Yeah. If you, for some reason you haven't listened to The Bright Sessions, go subscribe and listen right now. I can't imagine that you haven't. It is one of the finest pieces of audio drama oh. of the past Thank you. couple years and maybe ever. Well, I feel this, the same way about Wolf 39 and oh. uh, might even, you know, have some uh, some guest writers from Wolf 39 writing for The Bright Sessions in future. Oh, my goodness crossover so if you're a fan of wolf yeah you'll uh, you'll like some something that's upcoming so yeah oh my gosh that's so <laughs> exciting um lauren you are wonderful so are you emma thank you thank you so much for, oh thank you um thank you so much for joining me and uh i can't wait to to meet up again in the audio world hopefully before then in the real world yes um but we'll 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 touch base after infinity war too absolutely when we're both wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> Till then, let's drink some rosé. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Pairing was created, produced, hosted, and edited by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. If you'd like more information, links, and clarifications on what we talked about this episode, please check out the show notes. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, read, drink, and be merry. 